1: Today, our guest is Logan Freeman. Thanks for being on the show, Logan.
0: I'm super excited to be here, Whitney.
1: Yeah, our pleasure. We're grateful for your time and being on to share your expertise. Logan is an ex-NFL player at Raiders. Now a real estate investor, developer, and agent who has found his niche as an investment property specialist and representing buyers instead of sellers in the transactions process. Sourced, source acquired and renovated 120 transactions in less than a year, Logan has found a process and relies on his most valuable priorities to guide his profit-producing activities. I like that. Logan is a husband and a father to a brand new baby girl. Congratulations. He just showed me a picture of a beautiful little girl. And Logan is located in Kansas City, Missouri, and can be found at livefreeinvestments.com. Awesome. He's an avid Christian working to leave his legacy. Logan, you know, I admire that a lot, and I appreciate you being on the show. Give the listeners a little bit more about who you are and let's dive right in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I grew up in a little town called Jefferson City, Missouri, which, if you're an out of state investor, nobody knows that it's actually the capital of Missouri. And so, I grew up right there in the smack dab of the Missouri, right next to the Missouri River. I kind of played sports all through high school and then college. And, like you said, Whitney, I was able to continue my career as a football player with the Raiders very, very briefly. And the only reason that I was able to make it that far was that I was I had a work ethic that really nobody else did. And I wasn't gifted physically, but I really worked hard and they gave me a shot. So it was a really fun experience. What really happened after that was my life changed. So after you have identified as an athlete for 25, 26 years, whatever it is, you get cut from the one thing that you've known that you've done for your whole life. And you have to kind of sit back and like look at your life and figure out, well, what am I going to do? And During my collegiate career, I was really focused on my studies as well. And I was on the dean's list every semester. And so I finished my master's after I got cut from the NFL. I went to work as a franchise consultant with a company called Jimmy John's, which I'm sure many of you guys know. And I was the youngest franchise consultant they had ever hired. Hit a glass ceiling really quickly. Wanted to get paid for my performance. So I went into a sales job in the trucking industry. It was a startup. And if anybody's been in a startup, it's a very big roller coaster. Weren't sure if the lights were going to stay on or, or not. Did that for two and a half years. And then I went to what I thought was a very cush and comfortable corporate job. And I was selling tech and services to the restaurant industry. Very comfortable for me. I was getting married. I came in one day and my stuff was in a box. I had sold the deal the week before. And the next week I came in and I was let go. So I had to figure out, it was again, kind of that same deal that happened in football. You get cut and you have to kind of reinvent yourself a little bit. Well, throughout this process, I have been doing real estate transactions, mostly live in flips and just trying to fuel my powder, so to speak, to go buy rentals. And so I was learning this process, educating myself throughout this whole deal. And I had a very good buddy who asked me multiple times to come on and be the director of acquisitions for his team. You know, I said, the heck with it, I'm going to do it. But I didn't really jump head first, 100% in. I started a consulting company and I worked with small businesses on training their people, how to communicate their product, and then putting processes in place on their sales team. As I was doing that, I was also selling 15 investment properties a month. So in June of that year, my wife kind of looked at me and she said, it's been wonderful what you've been able to do, but you really need to focus. And one of your past guests, Trevor McGregor, talks about certainty, clarity, and confidence. And I really needed to get certain on where I wanted to go. So I stopped doing the consulting. I really focused on real estate. I started learning about syndication and I started putting the people in place in my team that I could go build this. And that's what I've been doing for the last 18 months now. So that kind of, that's what lands me to where I'm at now.
1: You said many things there. That was really good. I like also how you talked about you were able to make it because you had the work ethic that nobody else had. Now I can relate to that. I don't claim to be the smartest, but you know, if you tell me it's going to take hundred hours a week to make it happen, well, I'm going to say, okay, you know, where do we start? You know, let's get that hundred hours started let's make it happen. And so I really like that. And, and I can relate as well. You know, you're talking about you're at that glass ceiling and you wanted something that was more a performance based because you're willing to work hard. And I really like that. I can relate also. But tell me about when you made that decision to be more laser focused. It was it your wife, you said that helped you think about, okay, you know, you're doing all these great things. You're making it happen. But what if you focused all that energy on this thing? Tell me a little about that transition and then how that changed things afterward.
0: Yeah. Well, if your guests are watching this on video, you can see behind me, I just got relocated my office to the basement of our house because our baby took my other office upstairs. But there's two books that I would like to point out. And one of them is Essentialism. And the other one is The One Thing by Gary Keller. And both of those books I read at that exact period of time. Well, I can say I reread them. I really put that into place. And when I started to think about if I could create an equation, this is what I, the way I looked at it. If I do X, plus Y, then I can equal Z. And I figured out what that equation was for my most valuable priorities that we were talking about in our introduction. So really, it was viewing properties and making offers. That's really what I needed to do. So I viewed over 700 properties. I made over 450 offers. And I really positioned myself as the expert here in Kansas City as an investment property specialist, instead of having to prospect for people. So before that, I was working just so much in the business that I did not have time to look at the holistic picture and work on the business. And those two books and my wife, who is a small business consultant, really looked at me and she said, why don't you pick the one thing that provides you the most profit producing activities and go do those things? And so that's how I got really refocused on just doing real estate instead of running my wheels crazy trying to build CRM systems for consulting clients.
1: Nice. No, I like it. It's such a valuable piece of advice there, just being able to focus. And, and then instead of being sh- spread out, trying to do so many things well, focusing on one thing. The one thing I've heard of, and you know, it's been mentioned before, but the other book, can you tell me the name of that again? Centralism?
0: Yes, it's called Essentialism. That's the book. And I don't have the author's name right off my bat. I know it's literally behind me somewhere, but we'll get that to your guests for sure.
1: Yeah, we'll get it in the show notes.
0: You know, somebody told me that and this is what's really important about this. The one thing is very, very textbook, right? It tells you exactly what to do. Essentialism is basically saying the same thing in a different way. And it just applied to me. And it just really felt like it sunk in a little bit more than the one thing did. I love both of the books, but they're the same message presented in two different ways. And your guests will really enjoy reading one or the other. I really think that they are great in tandem. It's
1: awesome. So, but now, you know, your business has changed a little bit, right? I mean, you've grown, you're doing bigger deals, you're working with investors, you're syndicating deals and appreciate you again, sharing this experience and just how you've grown. You know, but one expertise you have is working with investors and helping them to invest from out of state successfully. Let's dive into that a little bit and tell me some of those problems and let's dig in and how you help them.
0: Absolutely. So there's four things that I really try to help out-of-state investors understand, or even agents that are working with out-of-state investors. And I always tell people that when I tell my friends, family, whoever, what I do is, they say, so you go buy houses and apartments. I said, no, I buy income streams. And that's what we purchase. We don't really care what it looks like now to an extent, right? But we're buying income streams. So really understanding the math behind that. So when I think about an out-of-state investor, it's very scary for somebody like that to be placing capital into sometimes a project that they've never even seen, Whitney, right? You understand that many of your investors, many of my investors have never seen the property. So you're really focused on building that trust and rapport on the phone. And the only way to do that, what I've found, is to do what you're going to say you're going to do and be honest and you get everything out upfront. So what I call that number one is clear expectations. So when I ask a buyer, what were you going to need to feel comfortable to move forward on this purchase. I don't want you to put an offer in until we get the documents that you need to work through. We need to run down what the taxes are going to be, what the insurance, we need to talk to a property manager. We need to look at leases, T12s and rent rolls. That's fine. But I take a backwards approach where I definitely don't want to do that stuff after we're under contract. And my close rate is right around 90% of my transactions because of this. I might lose a couple deals with me. And that's fine because... I'm not getting an offer in. But at the same time, I'm not wasting the seller's time. I'm not wasting the buyer's time because we have clear expectations going in. And not only has that helped me with my investors out of state, it has helped me with my reputation here in the Kansas City market. We perform and we're closer. So that's number one. Do you have any questions before we move on to number two on that?
1: No, that's really good. Do what you say you're going to do. Be upfront. You know, and I like to just like how you're asking them questions, you know, like, what are you going to need, you know, to move forward? Just putting it out there. So letting them know they can ask questions, they can tell you, you know, because if you don't ask, they may not even pursue the deal at all.
0: Yeah. And then we get down 45 days into the transaction and you've got $5,000 in inspections, you've got all this time, effort, and energy. And then we find something that we could have had before we even went under contract. It's a much easier way to think about it, but it's also kind of backwards. Whenever you think of a, a regular real estate agent, all they want to do is get something under contract and then try to figure it out. Well, that's not my approach. That's that first one is those clear expectations. Number two, I'm going to say is communication. And there's another great book that I just cannot recommend enough. And it's from Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. He calls it a negotiating book. I would call it a communication book. That and Crucial Conversations. And those two books have helped me have tough conversations with people and get things out on the table, not only from the seller side, but the buyer side. So, one example I'll give you that this kind of bit me in the rear, I will, I will say, is, is recently we were working on a transaction of 32 properties. So it's about a 2.5, 2600000 million purchase. And it was a lot of properties. Basically, I forgot to ask the buyer. The buyer had done a good job of kind of winning me over, so to speak, by showing me their track record, showing me what they have done in the past. What I forgot to ask, there's two issues here. One is what their structure was. On their syndication, because I didn't even know they were going to be a syndicating this deal. I thought he was a buyer outright. And then, number two, what are the expectations on that structure to his investors? That was a big, big piece because we got down the road 25 days into the transaction. I underwrote the deal and he put it into his model and just couldn't figure out why we were not getting the right type of structure. And it was all because of the structure. So, communication upfront with your investor on what they're trying to accomplish. So, starting with the end in mind how they're going to get there, and if they're buying it outright or they're going to go source capital as well. So that would be number two.
1: Communication, yeah. Communication is key. And I also highly recommend that both of those books that you recommended, uh, and it would never split the difference in Crucial Conversations, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. Both of those were excellent reads.
0: You know, Whitney, too, I, one thing I'd like to provide your listeners, to, because I, I'm a weird guy. I like to read books, but then I like to actually put them into book reviews. Like I'm in eighth grade again. So I basically dialed down all of their tools and tips have never split the difference into a book review, an actionable two-pager that you can implement. And I'd be happy to share that with your guests as well so Then we can provide for them.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that value that you would give to them. You know, tell us how to get that or how to connect them and we'll, we'll do it in the show notes.
0: So number three, if you're working with an out-of-state investor, an investor needs to think about the agent that they're working with and you, they need to be willing to pay up front. And here's what I mean by that. Not pay the agent, But pay to find some marketing dollars to get out there into the marketplace. The agents here are only as good as the network that they have. So really, if somebody is serious about coming into a market like Kansas City and they have a specific property that type that they want to work with, multiple times in the past, I've been able to dial in using my resources, Reonomy, CoStar, and property parcel records, things like that, and I'll create an awesome list. But that's not necessarily my job to call that list or market to that list. It's my job to run that down after there's been some interest, I guess, expressed on the seller side. I do that all day, every day on different types of properties, ones that are hit a certain threshold on a transaction side. But I've had multiple investors expect me to do yellow letters and make the calls to those people and say, well, if you find one, I'll buy it. I've got more buyers than anything. What I need you to do is put some effort up front and spend a little bit of money to show me that you're real to actually find a property. That would be the third one is be willing to pay up front and show an investor's agent that you're willing to put some money into the marketplace. I've got some really great questions that I ask out-of-state buyers to really weed out who's real and who's not. And a lot of times it's actually working through a deal together. So this is kind of a pro tip. So if there's any investor agents out there that are working with out-of-state investors, have a sample pro forma or an offering memorandum and say, what I'd like to do is work with you on underwriting this opportunity. And it doesn't even have to be a live one. It can be one that has closed or some deal that you never ever actually even looked at, but just work through the financials together. See how they underwrite the deal and see if they are actually understanding what is going to make a good deal and and not make a good deal and see what's going to work for them. You will save so much time instead of then going and trying to source deals off of CoStar or LoopNet and then send just deals over to them. If you work through one and take an hour to do it and work through the underwriting with them, you'll know exactly what to send them going forward. So that's a pro tip. And you'll also weed out a lot of people who might say, well, I had this happen to me the other day, actually, Whitney. Somebody said, I said, well, what's your investment criteria? And they said, well, you know, I really need to get an, an IRR of 100%. And I kind of looked at them and I was like, so you're finding deals here in the Kansas City market with that? Yes, I don't touch anything under a 100% IRR. And I just kind of said, you know, I think that I need to think about that more in detail. And I'm not sure I can provide that to you. But at the end of the day, I knew that he was completely off on what he was actually trying to say and communicate. But that kind of showed me that he's not maybe a necessary real buyer and say he might say that he is, but he's actually not. So be willing to pay up front on some marketing dollars and work through an underwriting together. That would be number three. I like
1: that. And I guess as a buyer or potential investor, you know, when I call somebody, you know, I should be experienced enough. Right. You know, to be able to work through that performer, like you say, and us have an educated conversation you know about those numbers and about what my buying criteria is what types of deals you're normally working with what your experience is yeah that's some great information go ahead
0: yeah absolutely and the last thing is to just to get everything cleared up front so that you can perform and this kind of piggybacks on number 1 for example i've got a listing on a 32 unit property and i'm really telling those buyers that are contacting me on it I don't think it's very good for us to put an offer in until you have done your whole process and that you can perform. And so this is where I really ask for, where do you own other properties? Have you syndicated before? Do you own anything outright? And what is it going to take for you to actually perform? I have them talk to my local bank that we've done multiple million dollar transactions with and say, can you underwrite this person for me and see if they're a real deal? And now the bank can't necessarily tell me what they find out, but they can say, hey, I couldn't give them a pre-approval letter. So once again, if you can get everything cleared up front so that you can perform, you're going to have, an out-of-state investor is going to have so much more success working with an investor's agent like me if they're going to perform and everything is taken up front. So those are the four things. Let me just run through them one more time. So having clear expectations, what you need to do to have your due diligence and criteria and, and then having very good and, and solid communication between both parties, be willing to pay a little bit upfront and make a good faith estimate, and then get everything cleared upfront so that you can ultimately perform. Because if you perform, I'm going to bring you more transactions before I bring anybody else. Whitney, none of my transactions are on that happen you'll ever see listed. And it's because I meet with people 30 hours a week. We find deals. I host a meetup. We do all these different things that Joe Fairless and Trevor McGregor would say to do. But none of those are going to come and I get to pick and choose who I send those to. So if you've performed in the past or can do those four things, I will be very, very incentivized to send you my off-market opportunities that are never going to hit the internet.
1: And what should we be willing to pay up front? What are we paying for?
0: You know, I think that if you have a very specific property type, pay is in two ways. So pay with time, your time as an investor, out-of-state investor to underwrite the deal is what we talked about. And then actually, if you have a very specific property, like for example, I had a guy who wanted to, this was last year, he wanted to do some marketing to some off-market fourplexes. He had a very specific property. It's called a PCA code here in, in Missouri. So it was a garden style fourplex that he wanted. It wanted to be built after 1980. So I was able to easily pull him a list. But what he did was he looked at that list. He went down the list and he figured out which ones in the right areas that he wanted to market to. And he and his wife sat down and wrote 35 different yellow letters, or actually wrote them themselves. So they actually wrote letters to these sellers explaining his situation. He was an Air Force guy. And he ended up buying two of those properties They're getting two of them under contract. He closed on one, and he wholesaled the other one and used the money from the wholesale to pay for his down payment on the other one. And I think all in all, he said he spent about $250 on that. So basically buying the postage and some other things like that but it was mostly just his time. So I'm not saying that you need to spend a lot of money upfront, but be willing to spend time with that investor's agent. And if they do provide you something, then you'll spend the time to actually do what you're going to say you're going to do as well. So it's a two way street on that piece.
1: I like that a lot. You know, I mean, you're just showing some investment, even if it's your time. I mean, you know, you're going to notice that, that I'm going to take the time to even come there and meet you and see the property in person, obviously you know that's an investment
0: that's another great example when he is is get in a plane and come and i will spend all day with you and we will go look at properties and and that's a huge investment i know people that are willing to do that are real about actually spending money here
1: right and even if we don't close on maybe the deal i'm coming to look at it's just continuing that building our relationship right you know you see i'm serious you're going to learn a lot about me by spending that day or even half a day with me and in each other and just our conversations so What's been the hardest part of the syndication process for you so far?
0: I would say systemizing the actual process itself. So this has been a learning experience for us when we have gone into the syndication piece. You know, My partners and I own over 650 apartment complexes and a bunch of commercial buildings. But at the same time, we've never had to go out and syndicate those properties. So figuring out the process with working with SEC attorneys Than actually getting a PPM put together, subscription agreements, and then actually getting people to fund the deal. That's actually been, even though that they've said that they really are interested, signed letters of intent, gave us soft commitments. When it came to actually fulfilling those, we had a lot of last minute people who did not. And thankfully, I've kind of foresaw that. And I had multiple people to call and I'd spoken to and was able to close the transaction. But I think the most difficult thing would probably be following some type of process from internally at my company, but then also with them and with the investors, making it, my wife works in customer experience and really trying to figure out how to make that experience better. I can tell you my investors, those experiences on these first three have not been that great. So the toughest thing for us would be just systemizing that process, making it very clear because You have 20-some investors in an opportunity or or whatnot. That's a lot of communication. So going through operating agreements, the changes with the lawyers, all of those things has been very difficult for us to kind of nail down the process on. I would say that's the number one thing that we've struggled with.
1: Nice. And what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we can apply to ours?
0: I'm going to say, well, I had my baby in February. Before that, I was a 3.30 a.m. guy. And I work through this productivity planner by Brendan Burchard every single day. So the number one thing that's in, in really made my business explode and understand what's going on is setting up my day before eight o'clock hits, basically before I saw if I can own from four to eight and I'm L. Rod is a guy who has a podcast. He, he works the milk miracle morning. I just bought his new book, but it's silence and prayer for me affirmations, visualization, exercising, reading, and writing. And so a lot of that is already put into Brendan Burchard's high performance planner here. And I love this thing. So I work through that every single morning. Whenever we jumped on this call, that's what I was doing was working through that. That would be, I mean, just from setting the day up, but also it has an evening routine as well that you go through your day. That's my number one thing is reviewing and, and setting my days up. I
1: appreciate you elaborating on that a little bit. And yeah, the productivity planner and you even saying that I need to own, how'd you word it? I need to own my morning from five to eight or something like that. That's awesome. I I really like that. And I need to own that time so I'm best prepared for the day. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success?
0: Having faith. And, you know, Lewis Howes is a guy who had the School of Greatness podcast. He was one of the first ones that I, when I first started, when I got cut from the NFL that I started to reinvent myself, so to speak. And he says that you to have to be successful, or all successful people have either a really strong, unwavering faith in themselves or a higher power. And for me, Whitney, it's been having a faith in a higher power that has led to having a, a stronger faith in myself. So believing in myself, believing in God, and letting that work through my activities every single day has absolutely been the number one. Because you know, when you're on this entrepreneur's roller coaster, there is a lot of days where you feel like I'm not sure why I'm doing this. And it'd be really easy to go down the street and get a job. But then there's other days where you're like, I would never do anything else. And that delta between those two is where you have to have faith. That's what I would say. And Logan, before we have to go, how do you like to give back? So I started a foundation here in in Kansas City to actually help the homeless. So in Kansas City, we're not a huge city, but we do have a very strong population of, of homeless people. And so we started what's called Care Kit KC, And basically three or four times a year, we're able to pack these green drawstring bags with sunscreen or clothes or food, whatever that the season might be. And we've grown to doing over 500 every single packing. And after our service on Sundays at church, we hand them out to our families who then go out and onto the plaza and the surrounding areas here in Kansas City. And it is so cool to watch. And we put cards in there for information on food pantries and bus passes and all these things on where to go get help and a number to call, all of these things. And it's really great to see people walking around with those care kits on their back. And I really feel like that is helping make a difference. So I run that foundation on my free time. And that's how I like to get back here in the KC area. And hopefully that will just continue to grow.
1: Oh, I love that. Thanks for mentioning that. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. And uh, Logan, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and get in contact with you.
0: Absolutely. So my email address is my name, Logan at livefreeman.com. So that's L-I-V-E-F-R-E-E-M-A-N.com. Or like you said in the, in the beginning of the show, com. Everything that I ever post or, or if you want to get a hold of me there, uh, my marketing team will get me, whoever comes through the website and we'll, we'll get on the call that way.
1: Awesome. Logan, thank you again for just sharing today and your time and your expertise. Really appreciate you and giving the listeners the value today. I hope the listeners uh, will connect with Logan and I hope you also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. I'd love to have a conversation with you and, you know, hear about your experiences or ho- and hopefully I can help you in some way. I hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital. So then go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, where we can all grow our businesses and learn together from experts like Logan. And we will speak to each of you tomorrow.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption.